summer eric carlson is officially gone from the san jose sharks and he's on the penguins now welcome everyone to the desert shift podcast i'm your host chase beardsley along with fellow host tyler cast and as we mentioned massive trade happened today and we decided to join together um and break this down as soon as we could for you guys because this is a trade that we've been talking about for it feels like at least two seasons. This is a trade that oh, it's just been it's just been rumored throughout the past two seasons. Uh man. And here we are. It's like Pierre Luc Dubois when he got traded. We knew he was gonna get traded forever. And now Eric Carlson, his time has come and now he's here. He's uh with the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's time to break down this trade. Let's do it. Three team trade. Let's start with the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Penguins receive Eric Carlson, Ren Pitlick, Dylan Hamiluk, a 2026 third-round pick via the Sharks. The San Jose Sharks get a 2024 first-round pick. Uh, that's via Pittsburgh. Uh, Mikhail Granlin, Jan Ruda, and Mike Hoffman. And Montreal, the Montreal Canadiens being the third team in this, receive a 2025 second-round pick via Pittsburgh. Uh, Jeff Petrie, Casey D. Smith, and Nathan Ligare. A couple of things about all of this, all of this great stuff. Eric Carlson, 10% salary retention. It's a retention of, I believe, $1.5 million. The, thir- the first round pick that San Jose got in the trade is top 10 uh, protected, so you do not have to worry about that if you're Pittsburgh. And that's it. Um, oh, Jet Petrie also has some salary retained on him. I believe I got everything in there, but Tyler, massive trade. Let's go team by team to break it down. Before we get into it, first couple of words about the overall trade, though. Yeah, I said this to you earlier. I, to me, this feels like a like a CPU trade in like an NHL franchise mode, just like swapping all these like eighty three overalls for each other, and then Carlson is just kind of throwing in there. <laughs> so, like this, it literally just feels like a, a CPU, you know, trade just at the trade deadline in franchise mode. They're just swapping around all their their third liners. Let's get into the trade itself. Uh, team by team because again this is a massive trade these are a lot of moving parts that are going around let's start with the penguins they obviously acquire the biggest piece in this trade with eric carlson they also get rem pitlick uh hemluk and a 2026 third round pick the main piece obviously is eric carlson talk to me about eric carlson and what he provides for the penguins why the penguins wanted to get him i mean obviously carlson's probably the best offensive defenseman in the league. I mean, putting up a hundred plus points from the blue line is insane. Um, but the the one thing that worries me, especially with the Penguins, is this is not a great defensive sound core. I mean, you have an aging Latang. Um, I mean, Ruda was probably their best defensive defenseman last year and they lost him. 
I mean, outside of that, Marcus Patterson's okay. P.O. Joseph is more of a offensive defenseman there. I guess Ryan Graves is, is probably their best defensive D-man now. But, man, that defense in front of Jari is going to be giving up a lot of goals. And, well, I think that there's uh, they're going to score a lot. Um, Latang and Carlson are going to put up a ton of points from that blue line. Um, I, I think they're going to be really shaky uh, defensively. And in a Metro division that's so high-powered offensively, I think the Penguins are going to struggle a lot keeping the puck out of their net. There's a couple wins and losses here for the Penguins that I see. And as a longtime fan of the Sharks, um, there's a lot of different views. First off, let's start with the good. The good is that you acquire Eric Carlson. And arguably, the power play for the Penguins is going to be insane because you're going to have Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, Guinea Malkin, Brian Rust, Chris Letang, and Eric Carlson on those power play units. Um, so that's insane. You also get a somewhat defensive push. Now, Eric Carlson is not a great defensive defenseman. Uh, does he munch up a lot of time? Absolutely. Is he going to give away the puck and create bad defensive opportunities for the Penguins? Yes, because that's just part of his game. He's not the Eric Carlson that basically willed the Senators to the Eastern Conference Finals all the way back in 2017. This is an older Eric Carlson. But as seen last year, he is the reigning Norris Trophy winner. He put up 100-plus points, the first defenseman to do so in a very long time. That does help the Penguins a lot. And kind of talking about that, that's where it kind of transitions into the cons because – the con here is obviously you're going to pay Eric Carlson for the next couple of years at a very, very high cap rate. Uh, this is a Penguins team that is on their final couple of years, and this is probably their, their last big trade in a very, very long time. Um, it's massive. It's it's absolutely massive. But a big thing separating Eric Carlson from this that Kyle Dubas did was get rid of all the Ron Hextall mistakes. Mikhail Granlin is out. Uh, Jeff Petrie is out. Those were two players that had massive cap hits that were arguably some of the worst contracts on the Penguins. And he managed to ship them out and get uh asset in return and also save cap space because they did manage to save cap space with all these moves. Now, the big con is the other piece that they gave out. And that was... Casey Day Smith. They traded away Casey Day Smith to Montreal. And now you're looking at a goaltending tandem of most likely Tristan Jari and Alex Nedeljkovic, which arguably might be one of the worst goal ten- goalie tandems in the league now. Alex Nedeljkovic spent most of his time in the AHL last season, was horrible, horrendous. I mean, yes. He is not too far removed from a astounding year in Carolina, but it's hard to say that, that was Nadelkovich's uh, play pushing them to that point. Now that he's we're three seasons or so removed from that, and Tristan Jari, we know he's a giveaway machine. We need to talk about the Islanders game five, I believe, back in 2021. Do we need to talk about the Chicago Blackhawks game uh, last season that basically pushed the Penguins out of the playoffs? It, it's a very concerning one. I thought Dave Smith was probably the best goalie out of the three of them. So that's kind of concerning. We'll see uh, 
what happens there. But they do get some interesting pieces here. Dylan Hamiluk, uh was in the third round, I believe, third round draft pick. Really never panned out with uh, San Jose. Uh, Palik is a good death piece. Um, and the third round pick, I mean, it's third round pick and it's all the way in 2026. I mean, it's nice that they're acquiring, I guess, draft capital. Yeah. I mean, like you said, with the goalies, um, especially uh, playing in front of that defense, he's going to struggle defensively. Um, that's why I think the Penguins are going to give up a lot of goals. But I mean, you also get the offensive plus eye with Carlson. So they're going to score a lot. Um, I also think that playing in San Jose, I mean, no offense to, to you or the Sharks fans, he didn't really um, have a lot of consequences for all of his defensive uh, turnovers last year. He is kind of free to play however he wanted to. No consequences there. They weren't really playing for anything. Now that he's going to be playing under a stricter coach in Sullivan and actually playing for a playoff spot, um, I think that he'll shore up his defense a little bit, but I think that'll take away from his offense. So I think he'll still be good for, you know, 60, 70 points, but I, I don't think he puts up another 100 spot next year. He has four more seasons uh, cap hit, a very massive cap hit, no longer 11.5. It's around 10, 10 mil right now um, because of the retention. Um, and does have a no movement clause. So uh, you'd think that the Penguins basically have three, four more years left in the tank. Um depending on what Crosby decides to do once his contract ends. And then I believe two years. Um, so, yeah. Do you think the Penguins get better off this trade? Uh, it's really hard to say. I'm going to say yes, just because, I mean, um, the Penguins weren't this offensive powerhouse last year. And um, especially with Latang, who's aging and getting more injury prone when Latang wasn't playing, um, they really didn't have a number one offensive defensive guy. Latang carried that full front last year. So even if Latang doesn't play a full season, if if he uh, and if he struggles a lot, you finally have that number one offensive defenseman. You know the, your power play guy. So uh, I think that Carlson will really take over a lot of Latang's duties now that Latang has started to regress a lot. Yeah, I think they get. A bit better, but I don't think this pushes them in, even into the top two in their division. I still think Carolina and New Jersey are your top two. But I do think Pittsburgh gets a little bit better, and they definitely push themselves a little bit ahead of the two New York teams, in my opinion, in that division. Uh, let's move on to San Jose. They get the 2024 top 10 protected first-round pick. From Pittsburgh, Mikhail Granlin, Jan Ruda, and Mike Hoffman. Funny enough, this is Mike Hoffman's second stint with the Sharks, obviously being a Shark for 20 minutes back in 2018. And that was a couple months before Eric Carlson got traded to the Sharks. And we all know why Mike Hoffman got traded away from Ottawa was because of the whole beef between Hoffman's uh, girlfriend, now wife, and uh, Carlson's wife. So, very interesting that now they're involved in a trade with each other. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things here. Um, but, Tyler, if you want to take it away first, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of people upset with this return, but I don't think it's too horrible. I mean, you get the first-round pick. People got to realize that Carlson's contract was was not great. You weren't going to get a ton, ton return for him. And I'm, I'm interested to see what the Sharks do, um, with, especially Hoffman. Um, 
I think he has one year left on his deal. I wonder if they try and, and flip him somewhere or they, they do keep him for the season. But, I mean, these are, are two guys in Hoffman and Gramland who needed a, a change of scenery. Gramland was awful for Pittsburgh last year when he got traded there. Hoffman was kind of buried on that fourth line in Montreal. So, And they're two guys who had really good seasons just like a year or two ago. Um, so if, if those two guys can get back to a somewhat decent form, then um, – they'll help the Sharks or they'll be an asset that the Sharks could flip at the deadline or next offseason. There's a couple pieces here that are interesting. Uh, let's start with Mike Hoffman. He, ever since leaving Florida, has been a journeyman in the league. And even before that, he spent around three seasons in Florida. He's hopped from St. Louis, Montreal. He's been to a different, a couple different places, and now he ends up back in San Jose. Uh, GM Mike Rear said he's going to – hope that Hoffman provides some scoring that they lost with Carlson, obviously nowhere near a hundred points like Carlson, but that was another reason why the Sharks were trying to get Tarasenko was to get some scoring into their lineup. And they hope to do so with Mike Hoffman. Now, Mike Hoffman hasn't been the best player ever. Obviously um, his contract does end this year. So if they, if he randomly bounces back, they could totally decide to flip him. They could uh, actually resign him. But 34 points in 67 games played last year with Montreal. His lowest career total in his whole career since uh, basically his first couple of seasons in Ottawa. Uh, reminder, this is a 70-point scorer at a point of time uh, with Florida in 2018-19, his first season with Florida. And he also put up a couple of 60-point seasons with Ottawa. Um he could be something. He's on a decent cap it. He his contract does end at the end of the season. So if the Sharks des, uh, decide to trade him, uh, someone could be interested in this player. Um, and he could have a bounce back career. He really could. And if he doesn't, I mean, his career and or sorry, his uh season ends or contract ends this the end of the season. Uh, so no biggie. Let's move on to Mikel Granlin. Honestly, in my opinion, this is the worst player in the whole trade. We all know the stupid decision that the Penguins decided to make by trading for Granlin um, with Nashville last trade deadline. We all know the whole dramatic behind that and how um, the assistant GM was pushing for it and Granlin was absolutely garbage with Pittsburgh. Um Last year, he had 36 points with Nashville, 58 games played. It was a minus 16. He goes to Pittsburgh, five points in 21 games. But he is not far removed from a 64-point season in 2021-2022. And he has also scored close to 70 points back in 2016-17 with the Minnesota Wild. He does – he used to have that offensive touch. We – so you wonder if he somehow gets that back again. Last season, actually, the season before last season, he put up 64 points. So if you get that Mikhail Granlin, um, he very well could be a huge bounce back candidate. And also his contract ends this season. But the cap hit he's on and what he provided in Pittsburgh was awful last season. And again, it was a Ron Hextall mistake. You're getting an Fresh new start in San Jose, you're going to get more ice time, so you wonder if he capitalizes on that. The last player that they got was Jan Ruda, and honestly, this is my favorite part of the trade for the Sharks. 
John Ruda, I feel like, is one of the best defensive defensemen that were on Pittsburgh. Perhaps one of the best defensemen, period, that was on Pittsburgh before getting traded. Uh, he won the Stanley Cup with Tampa Bay uh, in 2020 and 2021. So this is a two-time Stanley Cup champion going to San Jose. Uh, he has one season in Pittsburgh, 56 games played, nine points. Uh, the season before that actually had 18 points. Uh, his career high since his rookie season in 2018 with the Blackhawks, 20 points with them. He's a great defensive defenseman. I'm, I think he'll provide a little bit more structure that the Sharks didn't have for a while in San Jose uh, because, you know, you had all these offensive uh, defensemen like Brent Burns, Eric Carlson. Uh, now you have Henry Grun. So I feel like a Grun – Ruda combo would be interesting to see because I feel like Grun is more of a offensive defenseman than anything. But he also joins the likes of Mario Ferraro, who is a defensive defenseman. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be a great piece for the Sharks. He has two more years left. And I think it, he is going to be a very underrated part of this trade. Uh, moving on to that first round pick, I mean, that's first round pick. Uh, top 10 protected, yes, but. First round pick. Anytime you can get a first round pick, especially in a good draft, uh, because 24, 24 draft is supposed to be good. Um, yeah, I mean the Sharks. Big the big win for the Sharks here is that they get Eric Carlson's contract, which was considered to be the most unmovable contract last season before he had his Norris winning season. Um, they moved it and they only retained ten percent, which is a big dub for Mike Greer. He didn't want to do anything more than that and. This leaves a lot of roster spots open, but also leaves a lot of cap space open. $36 million projected in cap space next season. Uh, obviously, there's going to be some free agents to resign, but a lot of the free agents, I feel like, are not going to come back for the Sharks. So there's a lot of opportunity and potential here for the Sharks. Yeah, I mean, obviously, getting that first-round pick is big, and getting the Carlson contract off, off the books is something that they've been wanting to do. So, um the return back, you know, some people say it's a little underwhelming, but uh, I think you take those two things into consideration. I, I think it was uh, a pretty solid return for the Sharks. Yeah, I see people giving them a D on the trade grade. I think that's stupid because the fact that you managed to move a contract that was deemed the most unmovable contract last season and get a first-round pick and a little bit of assets also, including Jan Ruda, who people are very under – uh, who are people are underrating him a lot. I feel like he's an important part of this deal. I think the Sharks really did well in this trade. And I think, um, you know, it might be a trade that we look back at just like the original Eric Carlson trade um, and judge differently. But we move on to the Montreal side of things. Montreal was a part of this deal. They get that second round pick in 2025. Jeff Petrie returns. Casey D. Smith and Nathan Lingari and Tyler, go ahead and start us off with the Canadians. <laughs> I love Jeff Petrie going back to Montreal. Uh, we'll see how long how long that lasts. I'm guessing that a few days uh, because uh, Petrie and his wife kind of badmouthed Montreal on his way out last year. And I know a lot of Habs fans don't like him. So, I mean, he, he'll get moved out uh, in a few days. But if he does stick around, that'll be uh, pretty funny to, to watch. But um, I'm, I'm surprised they, they got a goalie back because I, I didn't think that they would want to 
you know, run anything different than like Montembeau Allen, um, especially because uh, this is kind of their year to see if Montembeau could be um, a f- goalie for their future. Maybe not their starter, but a 1B guy to go forward. And they also have Caden Primo, who was a pretty hyped up goalie prospect a few years ago. Hasn't really lived up to that potential, but I thought this was going to be the year where, you know, Primo's like um, make or break season. Um, so I'm really surprised that that they got a goalie. I don't think the Smith is the greatest goalie ever, but, you know, he's a solid backup. So I wonder what they do there because um, I don't think that they're going to want to stash Montembeau in the AHL all year. Um, and and I, unless they move Allen, I really don't see any other scenario where it's a Malin, Allen to Smith um, uh, tandem to start the year. Maybe they, they carry three goalies. Um, but uh, I, I'm surprised that they, they went out and got the Smith. So I, I feel like we could see one one of them being moved. But um, if they don't, then I, I feel like Montembeau starts the year in the AHL. I really, really like this deal for Montreal. I think, uh, to me, when I first saw this trade, I thought Montreal really came out uh, with one of the uh, better sides of the stick uh, here. Second round pick obviously is awesome. That's a that could be a decently high draft pick because it's not this year, but it's the next year. Who knows what happens to the Penguins in in the next two years? Uh, Jeff Petrie. Um, I think the big the big thing here is that um, Petrie, good friends with Cole Caulfield, the guys loved him in that locker room, so it's good to have that locker room presence back. Uh, obviously, as you mentioned, not a very great ending, but you saw him like reunite with Caulfield a couple times over Instagram, and him and his wife were pretty happy. Uh, 31 points in 61 games with the Penguins last season, his lone season with the Penguins. Before that, uh, 27 points with the Canadians, but he used to be a consistent 40-point guy, obviously was massive in the Montreal Canadiens run to the Stanley Cup final back in 2021. Uh, He has two more years, including this year, on a modified no-trade clause contract, $6.25 million. The early rumors was that Petrie was going to go to San Jose, but I believe he rejected that because of his trade clause. Um, and he went to Montreal instead. We move on to Casey Smith. I really like this piece for uh, Montreal. I think Smith is underrated. Very decent backup. Who knows how he does in the starter role, but he's been prone to start in the starter role. Last season was not his best. A 15-16-4 and four record with the Penguins at 3.17 goals against average and a .905 save percentage. However, may that fool you, he had a save percentage above 0.912 every single season before this season. And he played 36 games back in 2018-19, uh, putting up a 0. 0.96, uh, 0.916 save percentage and a 15-11 nothing record. He's a decent backup, could be a starter. I think this kind of means that Jake Allen's time in Montreal is running out. He Allen hasn't really done a whole lot in Montreal. I mean, he hasn't been the best starter, but this hasn't been the best Canadians team, obviously. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens to Jake Allen. They also get Nathan Lagare. Uh, used to be a hyped up prospect in Pittsburgh. Um, but since uh getting drafted, um, I believe in the third round by Pittsburgh. 
he's kind of filling off the face of the planet with the Wilkes-Barre Grand Penguins in the AHL. He put up 19 points in 68 games played last season. So, yeah, I, I like this trade for Montreal. I like that they get Casey Day-Smith. I like that. I like the second-round pick. And they didn't really they didn't retain cap. They just took on Jeff Petrie's contract, and they got this stuff. So And gave, gave up Mike Hoffman. So, yeah. Um, Tyler, any of your thoughts about the Montreal side of things? Uh, no, I, I think Montreal um... – for being like a third team involved did really really good you know usually we just see these third teams get like a third or a fourth round pick and uh they got a bunch of solid uh assets um so i mean for being kind of just like that bridge team in there they did a really really good job so that brings me to my next question who do you think won the trade i think that's that's tough because i i don't think um carlson's gonna uh, age well, especially with that contract. And I think it's just going to be, I don't see him putting up another crazy season like that. So I think that by the last two years, that contract is going to be pretty, pretty rough there. So, um, and I don't think that Montreal really got enough to warrant a, a win. So as of currently, I would say the Penguins, but long-term, I definitely think the Sharks are, uh, are going to be the winners, especially with that first round pick which I think could be a solid pick, especially because um, the Penguins, I, I see them as just a first-round um, and gone team. The Sharks could have three first-round picks next year. Of course, the other first-round pick would be in the New Jersey Team of Meyer trade if they meet those requirements. Um, I think in the short term, definitely Pittsburgh and Montreal because Pittsburgh obviously gets the big fish, Eric Carlson. Do I think they win the Cup? No, I genuinely don't believe that this pushes them uh, 100% closer to the cup because even in their own division, I don't think they're the best team. Unlike when the Sharks originally acquired Eric Carlson, that made made them the best team in the division. But this is a older Eric Carlson that has had a 100-point season and has had one good season in San, San Jose, arguably. And since Ottawa probably is – only good season since 2017, I would argue. Um, but well, I could be wrong. That pe- that Penguins power play could be absolutely lethal. They could be powered by Eric Carlson, on, like coming out of nowhere. Um, but I, I do really like what Montreal got. I think in the long term, though, I think San Jose is really going to like this because not only does this open up more slots for upcoming prospects because you're going to have a lot of prospects coming up in the next coming coming years for San Jose. You're going to have, let me just pull up my list, William Eklund, Thomas Bordlow, Henrik Duran, Philip Bystead, Daniel Gashushin, Shakir Mukamadoulin, Tristan Robbins, E2 McEnany, uh, Brendan Coe, and Ethan Cardwell. Uh, you're also going to have Will Smith, Quinn Musty, and Luca Cagnoni. And then if Philip Zadina... Ozzy Weisblatt and Philip Zetterlin, um, if they grow into decent prospects, these are a lot of great youth uh, names for the San Jose Sharks. And I think it's it's going to be a rough season for the Sharks, and it's going to be a rough probably two, three seasons for the Sharks, but they're going to get better, and this is the way to do it um, is rebuilding. And actually starting over, which is what Doug Wilson refused to do. And 
this is a that's a whole nother face to the trade. Like this is basically removing the last big piece of the Doug Wilson era um, of mistakes, especially that latter year. Uh, but honestly, I mean, we're forgetting the ultimate champions of this trade, and that is the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> the fact that Ottawa, the fact that Ottawa got Chris Tierney, Rudolph Balshers, Dylan DeMello, Josh Norris, a first-round pick that ended up being Tim Stutzla, and a 2020 draft, uh, sorry, 2019 second-round draft pick as well. They got all of that for Eric Carlson, and Tim Stutzla and Josh Norris have been incredible for the Sens, and they got more prospects and picks out of the DeMello trade as well, so... That's insane. I think Ottawa is the clear winner in in the whole Eric Carlson trade tree. Yeah, it's just kind of wild how things turned out. I mean, I don't, I don't think we all could have saw um, with any of that that coming um, because the Sharks' downfall kind of happened really, really fast. I mean, they went from contenders to bottom of the league within like a year or two. So kind of crazy how things just change that fast. I always said the big mistake was signing Eric Carlson to that 11.5 eight-year contract instead of re-signing Joe Pavelski, uh, Gustav Nyquist, Jonas Donskoy. Instead of re-signing those guys who provide great offensive stats in themselves, and that's where the Sharks really struggled. They they were good defensively. They that uh, Brendan Dillon, Mark Edward Vlasic pairing was incredible. Uh, very underrated duo in in that in their era. Um, but they always struggle offensively. They never had that offensive depth. And losing those guys and putting all your money in Eric Cross, uh, and still my opinion, is the the thing that killed the Sharks. Because once you lost Pavelski, once you lost Donskoy, once you lost Nyquist, it just went all downhill from there. And giving up that first-round pick was not smart, especially – it wasn't top 10 protected. That was the dumbest part of the whole trade, too, because the Sharks could have had Tim Stutzla. But Doug Wilson, maybe. Um, so that is the Eric Carlson trade. That is the massive thing that just took place. There are a couple other things that we're going to talk about in a excuse me, in a second. Um, but yeah, that is what happened. Um, I agree with you, Tyler. It's kind of hard to see now, but I think right now it's the Penguins in the future, it's going to be the Sharks. But let's move on to the Matt Dumba deal. Arizona Coyotes signed Matt Dumba to a one-year deal, $4 million AAV contract, 14 points through 79 games played with the Minnesota Wild in a pretty down year for Matt Dumba uh, with the Wild. I mean, he had been another guy who had been rumored to leave the organization, um, finally did. This is a player that has put up 50 points in his career, and this is a player who consistently puts up 30-ish points. Um, but also, um, it's a decent defensive player. He's a really good defensive player, and people seem to forget it, but he goes to the Coyotes. Coyotes near the cap floor at this point. Tyler, your thought? I mean, it's just one year, so it's not necessarily a, a bad deal. And you just got to hope that Dumba bounces back. I mean, if he does bounce back, I think um, – I don't think the Yotes are going to necessarily be selling at the deadline, but I think if he bounces back and if you get a solid return for him, he's the one guy I could see 
uh, the Yotes selling off at the deadline. Um, but it, uh, your hope is that, you know, he bounces back and, you know, uh, he's a guy that could be a number one defenseman. He was the number one in Minnesota for, for a few years there, especially when Suter uh, started falling off and before Sur- Spurgeon really uh, started to take over. Um, so uh, if he bounces back, he could easily be the Yotes number one D-man, put up 40, 50 points from the blue line. And, uh, I mean, that's that's what you're hoping you get from him. And he's also a, a tough guy. I mean, the Yotes are going to be a super, super young team, um, especially that defense is going to be uh, pretty pretty young there. Um, so, I mean, you want to have a guy that will stand up for these young guys and who's not afraid to, you know, take a hit and, and fight for anybody on that uh, on the ice. Yeah, I think that last part is pretty huge for this Coyotes team, especially because you're going to have Dylan Gunther, Logan Cooley, and Matias Michelli on the ice, and these are kind of skinny guys, and you want someone to protect them, which is why they uh, drafted Butte in the uh, first round this last season, um, along with their other defensive prospect that they drafted, uh, I believe, 11th or 12th overall. Um, but I like the sign for the Coyotes. They, they could sell him off if they would choose to, but if he has a career resurgence and the Coyotes like him, they could 100% keep him. My question to you, Tyler, we talked about it when we signed when the Coyotes signed Logan Cooley. We talked about it uh, when the Coyotes traded for Sean Dersey. Now I'm going to ask you again. Now that they signed Matt Dumba, are the Coyotes a wagon in making the the playoffs in 2024? I mean, uh, it's it's so tough because. Um... The West is just so unpredictable. I mean, I I, I really think that they're going to be in it until the last second. Um, I, I could 100 see them see them sneaking in. I could also see a scenario where, you know, they, they fall just short. But I really think this is going to be a competitive team. And um, I mean, I said before, I really wouldn't be surprised if they, they are able to sneak into a wild card spot. But I, I unless you get some some magic, some... 80, 90 point season from Cooley. I, I don't think they'll be competing for a top three spot in the division just yet. Yeah. Maybe, maybe next year we'll have that conversation. Yeah, I don't think they're there yet for a top three spot, but you mentioned the West is wide open. Like, I think that last wild card spot is the one that's super open. I think your top three in each division is locked. And I think the first wild card spot is locked up as well. I'm not going to say who because we're going to have a. Uh, episode dedicated to that but I think they will be battling it out for that last wild card spot I'm not going to say who I have making it in that spot but I I don't even know who's in that spot because I have all the other spots locked up and then I'm debating between two teams but I think they definitely have a very strong opportunity and chance to get in there moving on the Washington Capitals have locked up Tom Wilson a seven-year extension worth $6.5 million AAV. Tom Wilson coming off a 22-point season uh, in 33 games. Last season, he had 52 points in 78 games, a career high. Tyler um, won the Cup in 2018 with the Capitals uh, and has played his whole career there. What do you think of this Extension. I mean, have we learned nothing from the Lucic signing? Like, oh my God. If it was three years, maybe even four years, 
Uh, and the money, this was the money. I'd be like, okay, not great, but at least he's off the books in a few years. But seven years for Tom Wilson, who is, you know, pretty much just exactly in the same spot Lucic was back in, uh, what was it, 2016, 2017, that free agency. You know, is coming off of, Lucic was, you know, like a 29, 30-year-old grinder coming off a pretty good season. Um, you know, Oilers gave him long contract, big money, failed miserably, did not age well. Tom Wilson, you know, he was hurt a lot last year. You know, he had a pretty good year in his last healthy season uh, back in 21, 22. Well, I mean, he's a guy who has put up 50 points one time in his career. And he's getting $6.5 million for the next seven years. Um, Wilson, I hate him. Um, I'm not just saying this because uh, I hate him, but this contract is going to age awfully. It'll be okay for the next year or two, you know, hoping that he, he comes back and plays a full season and is healthy. You know, that's kind of the hope there. But, you know, he was hurt basically all of last year. And for a guy whose whole game relies on hitting people, and, you know, doing that dirty work, you know, you don't want to be, you know, banged up for that. And with him only getting into the end of his prime, you know, getting into his uh, 30s, um, this is not the the length that, if I'm a Capitals fan, I wanted to see Tom Wilson get. Yeah, it's a big and long-term contract. And that's what really kills it. I think if he was signed for a two three year extension at this rate i think it would be fine but this is a very very long contract the other fact is the capitals are rebuilding or retooling and i genuinely think that they are in a worse situation than the penguins right now because the penguins can still compete the capitals i just cannot see competing with their current roster and tom wilson obviously being injured last season um is it's going to be interesting. Like, can he recover from that injury and fully? Um, he only had one 50 point career in his uh, season in his whole career. Um, he's more of a physical guy, uh, which is going to hurt him in the long run. And the other thing is, uh, what are you going to do once Ovechkin's done? Like, this team is going to be not that great, especially because. I believe it was either Kuznetsov or Backstrom requested a trade out of Washington. So you're going to lose one of them if you can even trade their contract. It's it's just confusing what Washington is doing here. I really don't know. I don't like the steal. I don't like the term. I don't like the uh, actual money. I don't like it for Capitals fans. Yeah, but uh, shout out to Tom Wilson's agent right there. That's some uh, some impressive work there from him. Yeah, he so uh, respect the business side a little bit. So you know, give some props fleeced. to his agent. He fleeced for sure. <laughs> um, the Ducks signed one of their players to a seven-year deal, arguably a better player though. Um, seven years for Troy Terry at a seven million dollar cap hit AAV, 67 points in the 2021-2022 season, 37 goals to a big bounce from 20 points from the uh, a season prior last season 61 points a bit of a downgrade but five less games uh only 70 in that one arguably one of the biggest surprises for the ducks in the past couple of seasons but also 
probably the best player for the Ducks in the past couple seasons. Uh, $7 million AAV. Your thoughts on the extension, Tyler? I actually think it's a really good extension. I mean, I, I don't like the Ducks at all, but you know, I actually like Troy Terry. I think that on a team that's um, you know not super responsible defensively, I think that uh, Terry has you know found his own and plays a pretty solid all-around game there. I'm not going to say he's elite defensively, but probably one of the best defensive forwards on the Ducks. And doing that while putting up 60 points on a bad defensive team, I, I think that's impressive. I think, you know, $7 million is a solid price for a guy who's going to consistently put up 50 to 60 points, um, especially with the cap going up. Uh, I think that in a few years, um, this contract will look like a, a pretty good contract. And he has chemistry there with, with Zegers. He's only, I think he's 24, 25. He's still young. And I mean, he's part of their core for the. Uh, I, they they see him as part of their core for the the future there. So, um, I, I think it's a good signing, locking him up long term. Yeah, I like the signing for the Ducks. I like Troy Terry. I think he's a good uh, producer, especially because he came out of nowhere, had two good seasons, and is now getting the bag. I think that's great for him, and I think because I think he's the only consistent guy for Anaheim at this point offensively, because I do believe Zegers is all show. Uh, he's decent, but I don't think he's anywhere near Troy Terry's offensive production. I mean, you have Leo Carlson coming in soon, but honestly, right now, Troy Terry is the lone reason why someone would probably tune into the Ducks, besides obviously Trevor Zegers. Um, yeah, I uh, I really like this deal for the Ducks. I think this is a fair asking price, and because of the cap going up in a couple seasons, I think this is going to look like a steal. Yeah, I, oh, I, I was going to say, I know plus minus isn't the greatest stat ever, but I mean, he was only a minus eight on the Ducks last year who were at a <laughs> historically bad goal differential. Um, oh, so I, I think that minus eight um, on the Ducks last year is, is pretty impressive there. Yeah, it was horrible last season um so yeah that that is also very impressive in its own feet uh ryan mcloyd or ryan mcleod um signed with edmonton two more years uh 2.1 million dollar extension we'll go quick because this is a minor one 23 points through 57 games yeah i mean he's a a solid depth guy for them i mean he's uh, i thought he was pretty great in the playoffs so i mean Money's not bad. Years aren't bad. So uh, just solid deal. Yeah, not a bad deal at all. Uh, Boston Bruins signed Jeremy Swayman to a one-year deal, $3.475 million for that year, 24-6-4 last season with a .920 save percentage. Your thoughts on the Swayman extension? Well, I mean, the, the money's not bad. It's just you, you want to be able to lock Swayman up long-term. Um, I, I believe the Bruins see him as their goalie for the future. I mean, obviously you have Olmark's winning the Vezina last season, but I mean, Olmark's not getting any younger. He's not probably not getting any better. So Swim is probably your your number one going forward, um, at least for your your future. So uh, I think that their main goal is to just get that you know one year bridge deal done and now try and talk long term for the future. I agree. Not a bad contract. Obviously, being one year, he's a good goalie. Goalie of the future, arguably, for Boston. Speaking of goalies of the future, Philip Gustafson signs a three-year deal worth 
$3.75 million. Um, he went off last year with Minnesota at 22-9-7, a 0.931 save percentage. He was insanely good last season and also could be a goalie of the future in this league. Your thoughts on Gustafson? I mean, this contract could arguably be the best in the league in a year or two. They could potentially be getting a top five, maybe even top three goalie, you know, a guy who could be in Vesna conversation next year for less than $4 million. I mean, that's that's crazy. And and now he'll probably be taking over that full-time starter role um, over Flurry because Flurry didn't have the greatest season. So, I mean, if you can be getting, you know, 50, 60 games out of Gustafson and – um, him putting up the Vezina caliber numbers for the next three years that that cap hit, that's going to be one of the best contracts in the league. If Gustafson keeps this up, he's going to be one of the top goalies of this league, especially only at 25 years old. Um, he'll be 28 when this contract ends. Um, also, the fact that this guy was flipped from Matt Murray uh, from Pittsburgh to Ottawa and Cam Talbot. Uh, from Ottawa to Minnesota, is now putting these insane numbers up is crazy. Uh, If Gustafson retains this, this could probably be the best contract in the league. This could be such a steal. I like Gustafson. Um, I think once Fleury retires, he starts playing even more games, uh, which will probably be after the season. Um, So, yeah, I really like the Gustafson deal. Final extension that we have to talk about, Unless you uh, want to talk about a certain Devils extension. Um, Jack McBain signed to the Coyotes an extension of a two-year deal worth $1.6 million AAV. 26 points through 82 games played last season, but a very important death piece for the Coyotes. Your thoughts on Jack McBain? I, I love Jack McBain. He's one of my favorite players in the Coyotes. I mean, the money is great. I mean, I I, I think Jack McGain could easily score 15 to 20 goals in the league. Um, uh, we, last year, you know, what do you have, like 10 last year? And, I mean, um, he was playing kind of that third, fourth line role. Um, so, I, I love Jack McBain. The dude is just a, a beast. He is so huge. I mean, seeing him in, in person, just all down low at mullet, the dude is massive. So, I mean... Um, I don't care what the years were, what the money were. It's not even big money at all. Just getting him locked up is so big because he's such an important piece uh, to that uh, Coyotes depth. Yeah, I love this uh, contract for the Coyotes. I think uh, McBain is a very important piece of that um, Coyotes group. Even though he, he won't put up the points that like make you go, oh, man, this is a great player. This is a great two-way player. He's great defensively. He fights well, obviously, uh, sticking up for his uh, fellow teammates. But he can also produce in big moments. Like, we've seen him do that a couple times this past season. I think this is a great signing for the Coyotes. I think 1.6 mil is a pretty good uh, steal. I could have seen him going as high as 3, 4 mil, um, honestly, especially with the cap rising. But I think he's going to be very important for this Coyotes future and. I think he'll be a great piece going forward for this team. Um, let, let's talk about one last extension, and that is Trey Matthews' favorite defenseman in the whole league, Kevin Ball. A two-year deal at $1 million. 
Your thoughts on Kevin Ball and his eight points through 42 games, Tyler. Well, um, I I guess good, good job by his agent for getting, you know, a seventh defenseman over a million dollars. So good job there. I don't think Kevin Ball is a great player. I think he's a seventh defenseman. Um, so, you know, as an Islanders fan, I, I hope to see Kevin Ball in the lineup. I uh, I can't wait to hear how much uh, Trey Matthews loves the seventh defenseman so much, and I can't wait to hear him roast Mullet Arena even more. Thank you, Kevin Ball. Uh, thank you. Uh, let's move on to a better topic and a more relevant topic than Kevin Ball. Uh, and that would be retirements. Um, so a couple of players have retired in the past couple of weeks. Carl Soderstrom, or sorry, Carl Soderberg, my bad, uh, retired at the age of 37. He was an, over in Europe uh, for the past couple of years, but played with Boston, Colorado, Arizona, and Chicago from 2012 to 2021. Any thoughts on Soderberg? Man, I... I was so hyped when he got traded over to the Yotes. I mean, he put up like 20 goals in Colorado the year before. And I was like, this guy's going to be so good for the Coyotes. And then he just did kind of like nothing. So, I mean, um, you know, good career for him. But, man, I, I thought he was going to be such a big piece when he got traded over to the to the Yotes from Colorado. I was excited for him. And then he disappointed me. <laughs> you know, I always thought he was a great death player. I, I thought he was decent with the Coyotes, too. I know it. I mean, everyone thought he was going to put up, like, this insane amount in Colorado. But, again, he was coached under Rick Taki, and Rick Taki is not a great offensive guy. Um, but, yeah, I always liked him as a deaf uh, player. And the fact that he's blind in one eye, I believe, I don't know if it's fully or partially, and he played at that level is insane to me. Um, Sven Berchi retired as well, age of 30, actually. Uh, he played with... Calgary, Vancouver, and Vegas uh, from 2011 to 2022. And, yeah, he spent this past season in Switzerland, uh, did not win the Cup of Vegas, unfortunately. Uh, your thoughts on Berge? Uh, I, uh, I kind of forgot about him. I, um, I remember he had a few good years with uh, Vancouver, um, back when Vancouver was pretty bad. Um, I forgot he played on, on Vegas. Uh, so, I mean, a good career. He made the NHL, so that's always impressive. I mean, uh, I believe, wasn't he a first-round pick? Um, I believe so. By, uh, Let me look that up. By, by Calgary, I think. But uh, I Yeah, mean, 13th overall by Calgary in 2011. Yeah, I mean, didn't really live up to the hype, but still made the NHL, so it's impressive. Uh, enjoy retirement, Sven. <laughs> what a what an absolute legend. Um, but yeah, that's basically around it that's happened in the NHL. Obviously, the big news being the Eric Carlson uh, contract, uh, which is, or sorry, the Eric Carlson trade, which is insane. Um, anything else we have to go over, Tyler, that you can think of? Uh, no. Um... We got the off-season predictions or the season predictions, our yeah, season predictions coming up soon. Yeah, we got uh, some great people coming on, including Locked on Devils host Trey Matthews. 
and Joseph Furtado quite potentially as well. Um, we also have a couple other guests that are coming on, but it's going to be a fun prediction video. There's going to be some bold predictions. I can already tell you from my predictions, there's going to be some bold stuff here, Tyler. So get your game face on because it's going to go insane. But anyway, if that is all, um, you can follow me on Twitter or on our socials. Uh, me at Chase Beardsley underscore Tyler on Twitter, TylerCast underscore. Um, lots of fun stuff coming your guys' way. Uh, make sure to keep checking back in for more episodes coming up. And wow, what a, what a big trade. NHL is only a couple uh, days away, less than, well, around two months actually now, uh, but one month away from the preseason including Australia. So get ready for that. Can't wait to see some kangaroos. Um, but yeah, that will pretty much do it for this episode of Desert Shift Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see y'all next time. Oh